When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. We're going to talk about Ohio State's chances of going 12-0 and this regular season. Stephen and Nathan will be along in a bit to discuss that. I've been doing this Doug's version of math thing all offseason to get to what I think is my number for Ohio State's chances of going undefeated. But a guy who's better at math than me, it's like everybody, but he's really better. It's our guy, Tyler Shoemaker, T-Shoe, the betting expert here on Buckeye Talk. T-Shoe, thanks for making time in your day, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, Doug. All right. So we want to talk about this is not like we're going to come back on Market Down Monday and Nathan and Stephen and I are going to make our playoff picks and all that kind of thing. This really, to me, is focusing on a 12-0 and season, the, the chances of it, how we should look at it. You have your system. Let's start, though, before we get to the numbers. Sometimes I think, Tissue, that maybe the average fan thinks it's easier to go 12-0 and than it actually is. What do you think the sort of the perception is around a discussion like this, which is an imbalanced sport, a very, very talented team, and the idea of trying to win all 12 games? Yeah, well, I, I think there's a couple of factors. I think there's the human factor of it, which is you're dealing with, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds. So expecting them to to play their A game 12, 12 weeks in a row is, is a difficult thing to ask. And then the other thing is that the number side of it, the just statistical probability says – you know, I'm sure we're going to get in this, but in my numbers, you know, they're fa- I've got them favored in every game by a substantial margin. But when you add that up, it comes out to them winning about 11 games. So statistically speaking, they're expected to drop a game. So that's why you see these win totals set where they are. And I think that's where you get the disagreement between the odds makers and the, the average fan. And then you look at like recent history and you go through Purdue and you go through Iowa and you go to the Penn State game in 2016. You look at last year and you think, man, you look at Michigan State in 2015. Man, there's good Ohio State teams at the beginning of the year. You would have said they have a pretty good chance to go 12 and 0. They have a shot. It's one of those things. And then they didn't. It's one of those things to shoot. This is the kind of conversation that I think you can have right now with four programs in the country and maybe three it depends on what you think of Clemson this year. Traditionally, certainly, you could have that conversation around Clemson. But really, we all know that Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama are heavy favorites um, to win the national title this year, one of those three teams. It's almost like a privilege to even talk about this, right? The idea of like, oh, I don't know. You're going to win them all? Because like most places, like Man, we're trying to win six. We're trying to win nine. We're trying to win 10. Right. So it is kind of an – and again, no one's saying – are the Kansas City Chiefs going to go 17 and 0? The, the, the idea of being perfect is really limited almost to college football when you have any kind of discussion like this. Yep, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, in, in the NFL, there's so much parity. Um, and, and Ryan Day's talked about that too, about the difference between college and the, 
the NFL. Like in college, you if you lose a game, it, it feels like at, at Ohio State in particular, it just feels like the sky is falling. But in every other sport in the world, it's like not that big of a deal when you lose one game. Right. So and and Ryan Day, I do think, yeah, he he still brings that up. So let's get to your numbers, Tyler Shoemaker. When I went through, I went through it, you know. This is my percent chance that Ohio State has to win every game. And I base that on nothing. So again, it's I did the math in the end, but the way that I arrived at my percent chance of, of, of Ohio State winning was just based on like a little bit of history, maybe against that team, but mostly kind of what I think. In the end, I did give the most difficult game, and I don't know if I would do it today, but I started this months ago in the offseason. I gave Ohio State a 75% chance to beat Notre Dame and a 76% chance to beat Michigan, an 82% chance to beat Wisconsin because I'm just probably unnaturally enthused about the Badgers this year, and an 85% chance to beat Penn State. Those were the four toughest games to me. Notre Dame toughest, Michigan two, Wisconsin three, Penn State four. What are your toughest games by your numbers as you see it right now for the Buckeyes? So knowing that you did that math on your fingers is actually really impressive because you you're really close to to the order that I have. Um, so Penn State uh, statistically is is their hardest game in terms of win probability. I've, that's the only game on the schedule that I've got under eighty percent, and it's at seventy nine point six. Okay. So still still a heavy favorite there at Penn State, uh, followed by Notre Dame, Michigan, and here's where we differ. I've got at Michigan State as their fourth toughest. Um, and then Wisconsin being fifth, whereas you've got Wisconsin fourth. So we're we're pretty much aligned uh, in, in the difficulty of that. So when we think about those, so you're saying their toughest game, they still have a 79.6% chance of winning. This is one of those things, Tishu. Again, we I have them win, you know, at least a three and four chance of winning every game. But then when you start adding it up, right? If you have if you have a three and four chance of winning a game and you play four games, that means you're gonna lose one of them. Right. This is this is how we get to this math. What does your math then say about the chances of Ohio State going 12 and 0? 33%, which, you know, you hear that and you're like, man, that's low. You know, you think of like school grades or, you know, shooting percentage or something like, man, 33% is low. But that's actually, in the grand scheme of things, extremely high. Like that's a really high chance of, of going undefeated relative to everyone else in the country. Yeah. My final number is about 28% based on Dougie math. So I do like the fact that Dougie math is somewhat, <laughs> somewhat mirrors actual math. Would you bet that Tyler? And I, and I don't know, I, I haven't seen any place, you know, there's places you, where you can bet teams to win 10 games or more. There's places, plenty of places to bet them to win the big 10 championship, to bet them to win the national championship. I don't know that I've ever seen a place to bet a team going 12 and 0 in the regular season. If you could, what do you, I guess, would the odds be like if you have a 30, you know, 32% chance, would the odds be like three to one or whatever? Like, what would you, would you, would you be interested in a 12 and Ohio State bet? Probably, probably. And, and I say that. So I, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter in the last week, but I, you know, we, when the last time I was on the show and we were talking about win totals, Ohio State's win total was at 10 and a half, but it was juiced like minus 250. Yeah. Well, it has come up to 11, but it's only juiced minus 120. So actually, I did bet Ohio State over 11 at minus 120 because that was that's a much better bet to me than over 10 and a half by having to lay 250. So, um, I mean, that's that's kind of the same bet, you know. Yeah. So if they lose one, I push because I, I just 
I just can't imagine just as as a football observer and from a number standpoint, I can't imagine them losing two. Right. So I feel I feel like I feel like worst case scenario, they lose one and I push. But I I that basically is a bet on them going undefeated. Yeah. And I do think that that get your money back if they lose one. I mean, last year they lost two and it was like, what? They hired a defensive coordinator for $2 million a year. Everybody acknowledged that wasn't good enough when they lost two. So the idea of them coming back and losing two again this year seems very unlikely, which why, which is why you would like that bet. But then the hard thing about this tissue is, you know, and, and Nathan and Steven and I are going to get into this later. And when we just start talking about the season, it's not like you think they have to go 12 and 0 to make the playoff. Right. It's not like you think they have to go 12 and 0 to win the national title, right? This is really a, a very separate kind of bet. And I will say the one thing that factors into it, when you look at your numbers, they are playing what I think I would consider. I'm very down on Iowa. I'm more down on Iowa than almost anybody out there. I think I might be the only person in the world to pick them to finish last in the West. But if you count Iowa as competitive, that's six competitive games out of 12. When you think about Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, that is unusual. Now they're playing eight games at home, but there are times, Tishu, when they're, you know, when their crossovers are Illinois or, you know, when Nebraska's lousy and like teams like that. And, and if like when Michigan State or Michigan or, or down, whatever, like you can, I think there would be years where with a team as good as Ohio State is, if their schedule wasn't this competitive, I think you and I might be up closer to 40 or 50%. I think one of the reasons this is knocked down, and it's easy, like the 2019 season, nine and three, Doug, one of the things that came into play there is their schedule was easy. You know, they didn't really have a non-conference game that was tough and like nobody else was really in their way. This 12 and 0, I think would be tougher because I don't know if you have it right in front of you, but again, I, I think it's, Six pretty solid football teams out of 12, which, as we know, is not always the case with an Ohio State schedule. No, and that, that's exactly the point that I was going to make is like, if this team had 2019 schedule, I, I think you're exactly right. I think that would, I, I think their win total at that point would be like 11 and a half um, yeah. and, and maybe even juiced pretty heavily on the over. Um, so I've got them with the 12th toughest schedule in the country. Okay. So, you know, it's basically like, SEC West teams, you know, take up most, you know, half of the top 10 there, but, uh, and, and Penn State's 11th. So, I mean, their, their schedule is, to your point, difficult. So the fact that they're, we're even having this conversation just kind of speaks to how good this team potentially could be. And then again, you know, as you said, it's 18 to 22 year olds, the, the, the mental grind of a season. Guys might get abducted by aliens, which is one of those things that if you're, if you're betting on something good, that's on the side of like, you know, the five to 10% chance that there's an abduction that really affects the team. You know, you could even look, you know, not that Josh Proctor was one of their five most important players last year, but Josh Proctor mattered. Nick Bosa in 2018 mattered. You know, we've seen what that looks like when they, when they lose a guy who it turns out that loss has an effect on a game or a game later in the year. Um, I, how does this compare? You have Ohio State at 32%. Is that the best chance of going undefeated in the country in your so, mind or how do Bama and Georgia compare? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't map theirs out that way. I do have like all of their win probabilities, but I haven't added them up, but um, just a quick glance. I, I would imagine Georgia's is a little higher um, yeah. because their schedule is, is much easier than Ohio state's. Yep. 
So I, I think I think Georgia's would would be higher. I don't think Alabama's would because again, SEC West I have as uh, the the highest rated division in football. So uh, I think their schedule is probably a little more difficult. So I I would I would imagine Ohio State's probably second in terms of likelihood of going undefeated. And so when we just you 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 could take off the, the math hat for a moment. I like I like to envision T Shoe sitting in his house. He's got his dad hat on, right? Sometimes a dad hat. Sometimes he has on the Buckeye fan hat. And then then you put on one of those. Uh, clear like the visor that's like shaded red but you can see through it and that's your math hat that's your gambling hat so you're a man of many hats so you can put your buckeye hat on here your numbers say penn state is there a game that as a guy who roots for ohio state that you think to yourself i I don't know like the the revenge factor against michigan um michael Mayer and notre dame braylon allen and wisconsin having to go to penn state and go to michigan state what in your gut is the game that you wonder about well see in in years past teams like wisconsin have never really concerned me because it's been like okay we know what they're going to do they're going to line up try to just punch us in the mouth but that's that's not going to work that never works but then last year that worked that was exactly what worked against ohio state you know oregon and michigan both just lined up punched us in the mouth, out-schemed us. And so that being said, like until we see – I mean, I do think that Jim Knowles is going to improve the defense this year. And and I think back to like, okay, the defense was terrible in 2018. They brought in Jeff Halfley in 19. They were awesome. Again, a lot of that was Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. But same thing in 2013. I remember watching that Clemson um, Orange Bowl get smoked by Sammy Watkins – bringing Chris Ash win the national championship the next year. So I, I think there is precedent for the defense to be much better, but until we see it on the field, I'm going to be a little nervous about Wisconsin. And I'm actually, God forbid, I'm actually going to that game. So I'm hoping to break oh. my in-game in curse. <laughs> we will, we may tell the, uh, the ushers of the red coats to keep tight, <laughs> keep tissue out of the stadium. Um, I do think I, it's the position on the schedule is a lot of it for me that that week four, Notre Dame's tough right off the bat, but they're playing Tyler Buckner, who's never started a college football game before as Notre Dame's quarterback. And they also have a receiver injury and maybe some offensive line injuries and Marcus Freeman. You know, we saw Luke Fickle, what it was like when he came in here with Cincinnati in 2019 and they just were deer in the headlights kind of stuff. I'm not saying that, but there are factors. I think that Notre Dame's a talented team. I think that spot for Notre Dame is tough, but week four, because then it's Arkansas state and Toledo. And the run game for Notre Dame, I think might be okay, but it's not Wisconsin quality. So I feel like the run game, you're not really going to know for sure if this run defense is fixed until you face the program that kind of runs it better than anybody. And what I think might be the best running back in college football. That's not taking anything away from Trevion Henderson or B. John Robinson or Deuce Vaughn or anybody else. I am just really on the Braylon Allen bandwagon right now. And I don't that I'm with you. I we know it. The Wisconsin formula has not worked before, but Braylon Allen. The thing I've said a thousand times on various podcasts: What if Graham Mertz, the quarterback, is good or at least competent? And then, like a defensive mind in Jim Leonard, who will try to go toe to toe with Ryan Day a little bit. And again, they're not going to stop anybody but they might have a better chance of slowing down a little bit that Ohio state offense yep. than almost anybody else are going to play. They're a good defense with a good coach. 
you know, I, like that's that's why I, I dropped that as low as I did, 82%. Normally I'm out on Wisconsin, but I think you just look for things here. You know, the numbers I'm sure would lead you there a little bit, but it's just there's a couple factors of the matchup itself that I wonder about. And the fact, again, that it's going to be, it's not Jim Knowles locking this thing down by November. We, he's got a complete handle on this. It's right. what's it going to look like on September 24th. So, yeah, I uh, that one's very interesting to me. And I'll be happy to come back and be yell at myself for being the guy who overrated Wisconsin. Um, have you, so I, I do think the other thing we have to take into account is 2019, 2020, right? They did finish undefeated in the regular season those years. Urban Meyer, 2012, 2013, they did finish undefeated in the regular season those years. We, it's harder than you think, but we also know what it looks like, Ty. Like we, we've seen it. And so it's why this isn't a fanciful discussion because, you know, you're coming in about a one in three chance of it happening. Like it could definitely happen. And there's also, right, once we see what they do, if they beat Notre Dame by 30, I don't, and your numbers, like you reset your numbers, right? We might come back in week two and your 32% might be at 42% if they look like they're ready to blow the doors off of everybody. Yep. And that, that'll be, that'll be interesting as, as I adjust the numbers, as we get actual data from this year's team, you know, how that um, projects out the rest of the season in terms of their, their win total. Yeah. Okay. So, so again, the reason that, that, People listening to this might be worried about you coming to the game. You you were at the Michigan game last year, and you were at the Oregon game last year, right? Correct. You were O for two, which is hard to do. That that that's just the law of averages. Because, like I said before, I literally hadn't been at a loss since two thousand eight. I've I've been at several wins in between there, but had not been at a loss since two thousand eight, and then both of them last year. So I'm, I'm hoping to hoping to bounce back this year. <laughs> the other thing is you don't live in Ohio. So you're not going to be like, Oh man, I can't wait to get to Columbus for the Rutgers game. You're going to come to the games where they have a better chance of losing because the opponent is good. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker, we always appreciate your knowledge and insight. Let's make sure that the good, the good people who love the tissue style of, of doing this, where can they follow you on Twitter and where else can they find you in the podcast world? Yep. Uh, definitely follow me on Twitter at BuckeyeTy23, uh, especially, you know, this time of year, I'm, I'm firing off tweets like once an hour, probably with betting nuggets and updated lines and that sort of thing. So if you're interested in that at all, definitely follow me there. Um, doing some other podcasts. I was on uh, Tom Moore's uh, Tomorrow Morning podcast uh, that dropped this morning. I'll be on my brother's Section 111 podcast uh, next week. So a um, couple a couple appearances here now that football's ramped, ramped up. So um, look forward to interacting with everyone. But you still like us the best, right? You still like you guys. Hard. I have a special place in my heart. We've, okay. we've been doing this. This, like I said, this is the fourth or fifth straight season that I've been on. So, and and I would like even more tissue in our lives. So maybe maybe we'll get even more tissue in our podcast lives down the line. For now, much appreciated, brother. Good luck with the season and uh, and winning all kinds of money and uh, and good luck with all the other hats you wear as well. You have to actually get back to like your other actual job now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's worker tie, there's worker tissue hat, dad hat, Buckeye fan hat, and math gambler hat. Are those the four main hats or is there a hat that I'm missing for you? Yeah, I also I also am a basketball trainer on the side, so. You're a basketball <laughs> trainer? Yeah. Like what, what do you train people, like a jump shot guy or like a work on your uh, vertical leap guy? We do both. I, I do skill training and, and vertical jump training. Because I'll be 33 this year, and I, I still can out-dunk these high school kids. <laughs> you can dunk? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. How tall are you? How tall are you? 6'1". 
You're six one and you can dunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to turn. I'm going to turn 49 soon. Maybe for my 50th birthday, I'll ask my wife to get me some T-shoe training sessions. I'm about six one two, and I've never come within 10 inches of dunking. You're like, ah, oh, six one. Of course I can dunk. I couldn't dunk with a step ladder. Okay, so I would just how how many weeks or months would you need with me to turn me into a dunker for my 50th birthday? Like a week? Do you think you could do it in a week? Like a, like a year? We, you would see progress in a week. But yeah, we, we, we would need a year. We, okay. we would need a year to get you there. Will you, will you ask your wife if I can live with you for a year? We'll check back <laughs> yeah. in the next spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure she'll be fine with it. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll just start betting based on your picks. And then I'll use all my gambling winnings to buy get a, run a little apartment down the street from you. There you go. Oh, we I, have a lot the, of options. The, the real estate market in Greenville is nuts right now. I, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> okay. We're going to have to win a lot, Tissue. We're going to have to win a yeah. lot. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to dunk on my 50th birthday. I'm so happy. I have something in my life to look forward to. Tissue, thanks for, for, for doing this, man. I'm so excited to come to South Carolina. Okay. Um, we'll have you back soon. Thanks, as always, for being here. We'll be back after this break with Nathan and Steven next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk with... Nathan and Steven now talking about this uh, undefeated idea for Ohio State this season. Guys, I have some stats that I'm going to ask you for first. When we think about undefeated seasons, before we get into the specifics of my math and, and what you guys think of that, let's start here. In the eight years of the college football playoff, how many Power 5 teams do you think went 12-0? and 0? So got to the end of the regular season undefeated. Um, Nathan, how many do you think it is? So, and by the way, well, sometimes we won't throw them out, but for this, do throw out 2020 because like nobody played 12 regular season games. Alabama and Ohio State. So it's only seven years. So it's only seven years, right? So Alabama went 11 and 0, Ohio State went 5 and 0. Well, went six and zero, five and zero in the regular season, six and zero with the Big Ten championship game. So, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about trying to get to twelve and zero. So, in those seven years, how many do you think, Nathan? Nine. Stephen, how many do you think? Eight. So it is twelve, which is still not that many. So let's run through this real quick. The only there's only two teams in those seven years. Again, we're throwing Ohio. We're throwing out 2020 because we're talking 12 and 0. So there's only two two programs that in those seven years got the 12 and 0 more than once. Clemson did it three times, and Alabama did it twice. The other teams that did it, Florida State in 2014, and they were still only third in the playoff rankings because they looked like crap the whole time. Iowa in 2015, which if I was going to make you guys guess, name all the teams, right? I think that would be the hardest one to get because that was the Iowa-Michigan State play-in game for the playoff in the Big Ten Championship. Michigan State had a loss going in. Iowa was perfect, though. Think about that. Iowa went 12-0 in 2015. Unbelievable. And the Michigan State edges them in the Big Ten title game. Clemson also went 12-0 in 2015. 2016, just Bama. 2017, Wisconsin. Wisconsin was undefeated going to the Big Ten title game against Ohio State and injured JT Barrett. 2018, there were three, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame. And that was the year in 2018 where I kept telling all the Ohio State fans, don't worry, people will lose. Ohio State's in good shape for the playoffs. Somebody will lose, somebody will lose. Because the previous years, somebody always lost. And then three teams went undefeated. And Ohio State 
as a one loss team finished six in the final playoff rankings. 2019, three teams, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson all got the 12 and 0. 2020, as we said, not counting. And then last year, just Georgia, 12 and 0. And so again, we're not talking about the, the, your conference title game, because that's not what we're talking about, because this math we're doing, we don't know who Ohio State would play, so we're not taking that into consideration. So those are the teams that got the 12-0. Go ahead, Nate. I was going to say, my, my guess wasn't that far off, except I wasn't considering teams that got the 12-0, but then didn't make the playoff. Right. You like add Iowa. In Iowa, so, you yeah. add in Wisconsin, you're, now you get closer to that number. So that number, Stephen, right? You, you and Nathan were both in range. Does that make you think 12 and 0 is difficult? Or, you know what? Hey, you know, Clemson did it three times. And, you know, if Iowa can do it, 2022 Ohio State can do it. Does it make you think it's not that difficult? No, it's pretty difficult. The ACC has stunk for the past decade. That's why Clemson kept going undefeated because they were a playoff team and nobody else is even competent. It's difficult because you can't have slip ups and even Bama has had their fair share of slip-ups if the right team catches you at the right time. So now let's look at Ohio State. So I went back. It's always a nice run number. I just start with Woody, right? Start with the Woody era. That's modern Ohio State football. What Wes Fessler and Francis Schmidt did isn't doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't matter, but it's not particularly relevant to whether Ohio State can go 12-0 in 2022. 70 years, Nathan, of Ohio State football since the beginning of Woody Hayes in those 70 seasons. And now we are counting 2020. Now we're just because you play a different number of games back in the old days, you didn't play 12 or 11 or 10, even sometimes how many times in those 70 years, Nathan, do you think Ohio state had an undefeated regular season? And does that include ties? Uh, if you are, if yes, if you are, if you have a zero in the loss column, but you have a tie, I count that as an undefeated season. So there are a couple of those in this number. So try to count those as yes. Out of 70. 17. Yeah, I just Steven. threw my math off. Um, 19. I'm probably too high. 13. I was almost going to guess 13. Ugh. So it's 19% of the seasons, which actually – you know, like twice a decade, you have an undefeated regular season is yeah. pretty good. Let's just run through it very, very quickly. 1954. And that, that includes going on and winning the Rose Bowl. It's national championship team, 1954. 1961, they're 8-0-1. 1968, Super Softs undefeated win the national championship, right? Everyone knows Super Softs. 1970, they're 9-0 in the regular season. The, the Super Softs are seniors, and then they'll go and lose the Rose Bowl, the final game of the Super Softs. 1973 and 1975, both times – well, 1973, they're 10-0-1. They win the Rose Bowl. 1975, they're 11-0. Then they lose the Rose Bowl and finish 11-1. I think, Nathan, that might be one that we did on Buckeye Retalkables was okay. uh, a, a season where they were really good and then wound up and lost the Rose Bowl. So that's Woody Hayes' undefeated regular seasons – Six of 28 for Woody Hayes. Earl Bruce, one of nine, just his first season. 1979, they're 11 and 0, and then they lose the Rose Bowl when Earl could have won a national championship in his first year. John Cooper, 0 for 13, because it's hard to be undefeated if you can't beat Michigan, right? John Cooper has three seasons that could have been 
undefeated seasons. Um, 1993, they have a tie against Wisconsin, but the only loss is Michigan. 1996, the only loss is Michigan. And then 1998, the infamous loss to Michigan State and Nick Saban won Ohio State very well, might have been the best team in the country. So John Cooper is 0 for 13 on undefeated regular seasons. Jim Tressel, 2 of 10. 2002, miraculous season, 14 and 0. 14 and 0 back then. Whew, that's a lot of wins. And then 2006, 12 and 0, wire to wire number one, undefeated in the regular season. Of course, lose the national championship game to Florida. Urban Meyer, two out of seven because he didn't lose a regular season game his first two years. 12 and 0, 12 and 0. The first loss is the Big Ten championship game to Michigan State in 2013. So that's two for Urban Meyer. And then Ryan Day is two for three. Ryan Day did not lose a regular season game in his first two years and then lost twice last year. So 12 and 0 and then 5 and 0 in the regular season. So overall, that's 13 out of 70. Nathan, that number, 19% of the time, which again is a lot. Does that make you think, oh, no, yeah, no, 12 and 0 for Ohio State this season? I mean, they do it once every five years. They're kind of due. Of, you know, yeah, whatever. They, of course they'll go undefeated. Or does it make it seem like, well, 19%, that's still 81% of the time they're not? No, I mean, especially once you factor in, too, that, like, there's a lot of great one-loss seasons. There's a lot of seasons where there's, if you're playing in any conference that's worth anything, there should be occasionally those years where, like, you have a great team, but you still lose one along the way. So when you factor those in, and we didn't do it, but, I mean, 19%, I you could put that up against most programs in history of college football. It's going to probably still stand out. Yeah. And so, again, I don't want this to feel duplicative of what we're going to do on Market Down Monday, which is – What's Ohio State going to do this year? Are they going to make the playoff? Are they going to make the national championship game? Are they going to win it all? Steven, as you think about this Ohio State season, do you sort of think they need to go 12-0 and to do what they want to do to reach their goals? Or is it quite likely in your mind that an 11-1 and regular season would still very strongly probably get them in the playoff. And then once you're in the playoff, who cares how many games you lost in the regular season? 11 and one with the right one. They can still do whatever they want to do. And they had the example last year going into the Michigan game of the right loss was the Oregon loss. It's just, you lost again. But if they lose to Notre Dame or Wisconsin early in the season, this team can still go with a national title. What do you think of that, Nathan? Is that, is that kind of how you're viewing it that, and again, it's one of those things because even, and, we, and we've touched on this briefly, you know, if Ohio State and Michigan both are 11 and 0 when they play each other, the loser could get in the playoff too, right? I mean, I think that's there are multiple people, multiple national experts who are predicting two Big Ten teams in the playoff. And I think that's the most common way of how you'd get two Big Ten teams in the playoff. Do you, how imperative do you think 12 and 0 is, Nathan? Well, it's not absolute. It, it, you don't have to. I mean, the, the 2014 team proved that you can lose at home to Virginia Tech and still make the playoff. So I don't think any one loss. Well, I don't want to say any one loss because it has happened, obviously. But Stevens definitely right. But that might be the only two games. Maybe that's the only two games, like only losing to Wisconsin or Notre Dame, even though those would both be at home. Maybe those are the only two games that they could lose and then still make the playoff. Although the scenario you're talking about with with Michigan would obviously come into play too. If they were 12 and 0 and had really been steamrolling people and then you stumble one game, does that still get them in? Maybe. But I, other than outside of that, those might be the only two that they could lose. It's hard because clearly early in the playoff era, again, 
2014 one, 2015 two, 2016 one, 2017 one, the first four years of the playoff era, there are only five teams that got to 12 and 0. So it's like you have wiggle room. And then it was kind of weird. It's, it threw me off. I mean, I, I was very strong in 2018. I didn't think Notre Dame was very good in 2018. And so I was, I was convinced that Notre Dame was going to eventually lose. But in 2018 and 2019, that's three teams, like three of the four playoff spots were taken up by teams that went undefeated in the regular season, right? That's, that's tough. That that's one of those where it's like, well, then I don't know. Like if you have one loss, there's your, every one loss team in the country is competing for one spot, but, but I don't know, Nathan, like that's not, is that the new norm? But then you go to last year and the only team who got the 12 and 0 is Georgia, and then they lost and got in anyway and then won the national championship. But what do you think is, as you think about this year in particular, and and people do think, you know, the discussion about a top-heavy college football universe, we all know what that discussion is. Does it feel like a season more likely where we could have three teams get to 12-0 in the regular season, or does it feel more likely a season where we have only one team get to 12-0 in the regular season? Well, I would always tell fans, especially fans of a Big Ten team, that you are playing for one spot. Don't think of it as you want one of the four playoff spots. You want the one playoff spot that usually almost always comes from a Big Ten championship. And as much as what you were saying about the the, the Michigan-Ohio State dynamic could play out, I don't think that's like the primary likelihood as I look at this season. So I think as I look at this season, it seems more like it does going into it potentially more like one of those 2018, 2019 seasons where, especially because Alabama, Georgia don't play each other in a regular season. You could be living with a bunch of undefeated teams, or at least three going into the conference championship weekend. You're nodding your head, Steven. You agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. There's probably gonna be a bunch of undefeated teams at the top. And if we get to a playoff, maybe it's two, one loss teams because Alabama and Georgia have to play each other in the in SEC championship game. And, you know, like the, the other scenario being the Ohio State-Michigan game and that one loss team also gets in. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting season if somehow we get to Ohio State-Michigan 11-0 versus 11-0, which leads to the next week, Alabama versus Georgia, 12-0 versus 12-0. And again, it's yeah. one of those things where you sit and think, oh, all these teams might go undefeated, and then people lose screwy games. Teams lose screwy games. So then I almost wind up waiting for the screwy loss. And then you have seasons like 2018 and 2019 where there aren't the screwy losses. And then that's when I'm surprised, Nathan. I, I, I anticipate a couple screwy losses among the best teams, which means the season isn't going to go exactly how you think it is. But sometimes, again, that thinking can trip you up. Yeah, but I mean, what, what actually happened in that season, you had 2019 is a great example. Ohio State played one of its weaker schedules in recent memory, especially from a non-conference standpoint. Clemson played its usual ACC schedule that year, but I mm-hmm. think it was an ACC schedule that maybe didn't include Notre Dame. It was the ACC was especially not that impressive in that year. And then LSU had just risen up like a Phoenix to become the greatest thing of all time. So that was, you know, some things had to like kind of come together in the right way. This is, you know, of those three teams, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, I'll be interested to see like what your numbers say, because you could argue the Ohio state, Ohio state. I almost said that with a Southern accent somehow, Ohio state. I'm trying to get in on your Stetson Barnett, Ohio. State, I, yeah. Don't get yeah. <laughs> I do believe. Yeah. Ohio state might have the 
toughest of those three roads to going undefeated this year? Uh, Alabama has the toughest like individual opponent just based off preseason rankings in Texas A&M. Yeah. Ohio State might have the toughest schedule just based off cumulative stuff yeah. while like Georgia, it's Oregon. And then after that, yeah. it's kind of and, it, and easy all, for them. And that also sort of depends on Levis. And also sort of depends on how much you actually – opinions vary on Texas A&M as they yes. often do. Yeah. And Tishu said he had, I think, Ohio State down for the 12th hardest schedule in the country. So it is an interesting schedule. We talked about the idea. It feels like there's six competitive games. Six competitive teams doesn't mean competitive games when they face this Ohio State offense. But I think six competitive teams out of 12, mm-hmm. which isn't always the case. I want to get to the specifics. And we're going to run through the numbers I had for that I just came up for each game, which will lead us to the final percentage. And I want to get you guys to react to all of that. But I want to, I want to have you react to this one other thing generally first so you don't have to say maybe what which game in 2022 you have your eyes on you know on alert where you think ohio state would be most likely to lose but generally speaking in the eight years of the playoff ohio state had the two undefeated regular seasons in 2019 and 2020 they have uh three five other years where they lost one regular season game. And then last year they lost two regular season games. So in 2014, Virginia tech, 2015, Michigan state, 2016, Penn state, 2017, Iowa, 2018, Purdue, 2021, Oregon, and Michigan. Those teams at the end of the year, Michigan state in 2015, they were good. They made the playoff. They beat Ohio state and then won the big 10 championship and made the playoff. They finished six in the final AP poll 2016 Penn state was good. They had two losses when they played Ohio State, but they were actually like really good. So they win. They beat Ohio State. It felt like a huge upset at the moment. But then they go on. They run the table. They beat Wisconsin. They come back and beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game and then go play a barn burner against USC in the Rose Bowl. A great game, high-scoring game. But they showed that they're a, a really good football team. They finished number seven in the country. Last year, Michigan, as we know, completely legit. Go to the playoff. They finished third in the country. And then Oregon, it's it's kind of in between. They finished number 22 in the country. But, Nathan, they were in the playoff discussion much of the year, most of it based on winning in Columbus yeah. without Kayvon Thibodeau. But the thing that I think I would say there is they had some individual players, whether it's Noah Sewell at linebacker or C.J. Verdell in the backfield, just a couple guys And even like, I know, Stephen, when you do like the recruiting ranking comparisons, Nathan, you looked at that team and thought, well, they have some good players right now. Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play, but I think in their own way, Oregon was good at certain spots that mattered, right? So that they, they finished in the top 25, they weren't great, but Oregon was, had some good talent, right, Nathan? Yeah, definitely. And they're just one of those programs that you expect to be in like a top 10, 15 conversation annually. So that anytime you've got that kind of baseline of talent and that sort of baseline of like coaching respect, I think you're a dangerous opponent. So seven Ohio state losses, four of them, Michigan state, Penn state, Michigan, Oregon, like pretty good football teams. You're Ohio state fans. And the Ohio state program is all, they're always surprised when Ohio state loses because Ohio state's always favored. So it wouldn't be like, Oh no, you wouldn't brush it off, but you know, Good football teams. The other three losses, Virginia Tech in 2014 finishes seven and six. They go four and six the rest of the regular season after winning in Ohio Stadium. 2017, Iowa, 
Iowa finishes eight and five, loses the next two games after beating Ohio State. It's like they have this miraculous Saturday with Josh Jackson and, and Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson and the, the Nate Stanley game of his life. And then they go out and lose at Wisconsin and then lose to Purdue the next two weeks. They lose 38-14 at Wisconsin the week after beating Ohio State 55-24. So that Iowa team finishes eight and five. They're not really good. And then Purdue in 2018, I remember standing on the field in West Lafayette and thinking, like, this is the best team in the West. Purdue falls apart, finishes two and four the rest of that season. They lose to Michigan State the next week. Then they beat Iowa. Then they lose at Minnesota and they lose to Wisconsin. So they lose three of their next four. Steven, like, it's remarkable. And we've we've talked about those Purdue and Iowa losses especially. Man, like Iowa and Purdue, they weren't good, Stephen. They just had, they were good on the one Saturday against the Buckeyes. It's the coaching cliche of we don't have to be better than them. We just have to be better than them on that Saturday. And you play that game nine more times, Ohio State wins those games. But there's always the one where the other team who has no business winning that game, it just clicks. And that Both was those, the end of the Urban Meyer era, basically, is that one game where that team who's not supposed to win clicks. I would say both of those, I think, were teams that were underachieving their talent levels. I wouldn't say they were at Ohio State's talent level, but that's what made it look even worse. That both of those teams were, were dragging a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and again, as we've talked about many, many times, we've talked about sort of the formula for what that looks like. It's you've got some NFL guys at critical spots, yeah. and whether it's yep. – Josh Jackson at cornerback or Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson at tight end for Iowa, whether it's Rondale Moore running all over the Ohio State defense. And then the Virginia Tech thing was a scheme, right? I mean, I don't even know who the best players were Virginia Tech in that game, but Bud Foster, their defensive coordinator, again, kind of the Joe Moorhead model. There was a coordinator who schemed something up that stymied Ohio State. So the reason I want to bring all these up is this season, Stephen, we'll start with you. What do you think is more likely if Ohio state loses and let's not have this specific team discussion yet, but it's yeah. the type of loss. Is it more likely that they lose to a good team and it's like the Michigan state or Penn state or Michigan loss, or is it more like it's an off the radar team that has a good matchup at a couple great couple key spots and plays a great game on a Saturday, but it's not that good. And then probably you factor in some level of Ohio State overlooking somebody or being a little bit flat, right? Which do you think is more likely given what we know about Ohio State? I think it's the the team who's had no business beating you beats Ohio State this year. Just because one, this team last year was that was bad year. And so they're not going to go out there and you know lack be lackadaisical against Notre Dame and Wisconsin and Michigan. Right. They're going to give it their all in those games. But do they get so focused on that stuff that one of these lower level teams brings in something, especially if this defense isn't better and somebody can expose, you know, the linebackers again or expose things in the run game or the pass coverage isn't better. But I, I just don't I, the, 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 the top tier teams. I don't see Ohio State not showing up to play, but I definitely could see a Iowa Purdue situation happen just because of how the schedule is kind of set up a little bit. So Stephen takes more like the Iowa-Purdue kind of loss. Nathan, do you take that, or do you take more like the Penn State-Michigan-State-Michigan kind of loss? Yeah, I definitely uh, am the opposite side of of Stephen on this. In my top 25, and as you said before many times, top 25 voters, many of them are idiots. 
I have Ohio State this season playing my preseason seven, eight, nine, ten, and fourteen teams, and that's that's a tough run, man. Now they get Notre Dame at home, they get Michigan at home, they get Wisconsin at home. They have to go at Penn State at Michigan State, but or is it? Is it? Yeah, yes. it is at it's at yes. Yes. So, yes. so three of those five are at home, and it's also pos- true. I think this year that Ohio State. Alabama and maybe Georgia are separated from that next tier down. So saying the difference between two, three and like seven might be actually pretty big, but I think, you know what I'm saying here though, that's still a pretty tough, you, you, it does. The schedule doesn't leave a lot of room for error. I think last year's schedule left more room for error and they still found error this year. It's, it's going to have to be a little bit uh, more consistent, especially from the defensive standpoint, obviously. And as T. Shu and I talked about, and we've talked about on here before, that 2019 schedule left a lot of. I mean, like, yeah. again, I yeah. picked him to go nine and three against the schedule where it was like, who was gonna, who was gonna actually do it? Like, they they could have bad well, games and be okay because it it wasn't tough slogging. Yeah, you were saying that like six of the twelve this year seem competitive. You look back at 2019 and it was like Penn State and Wisconsin, and then like if you squint, maybe Michigan State. So like three out of twelve, that and even the, were like actually yeah. respected, but and we didn't know how bad really Nebraska was going to be. Like that. Yeah, we didn't know how bad Nebraska was going to be yet. We didn't know maybe that Michigan, what we had seen in twenty eighteen, would carry over so completely to twenty nineteen in that particular matchup. But so, whatever. But in retrospect, yes, that that schedule really stands out like a sore thumb. Okay, when we come back, we're going to go through the Ohio State schedule. I'm going to give Nathan and Steven the number I came up with for Ohio State's percentage chance to win, and they'll react to those percentages, and then we'll get to the final number, my final math on this, next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, and Steven back. You can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315, and also read cleveland.com slash OSU, we have some good stuff planned. We got some good stuff on the horizon at cleveland.com slash OSU that you're not going to find anywhere else and you will want to check out and is fun and interesting. And like we have a bunch of stuff like previewing the Notre Dame game starting next week. So this would be a good time. If you're not visiting our website, we certainly would invite you um, to give it a shot. Cleveland.com slash OSU. All right, I'll just run through the schedule in order and you guys can react to this. You know what? I'll give you a little context though first. But my I'm not sure I would I would put the exact same number on this today, but I started this much much earlier in the offseason and I did make Notre Dame the hardest game, Michigan second, Wisconsin third, and Penn State fourth. That was my order of the toughest games on Ohio State schedule. So just have that context as we go through this. Notre Dame I said Ohio State has a 75% chance to win. So 25% chance that Notre Dame comes in here and springs the upset. Nathan, you did a post on the betting line. What's the line? More than two scores, right? Yeah, you want to get an updated one. I haven't updated it yet, actually, this week. Yeah. So, Stephen, we'll start with you. Ohio State, 75% chance to win that game. Does that seem right? Does that seem high? Does that seem low? Do you think maybe the Buckeyes should be more like a 85 or 90% chance to win? I'd have said 80, but I can live with 75, so I'm not going to be nitpicky about it. Nathan, what do you think? Do you think it's high, low, 75 about right? I, it's, it's a little on the high side. 
just because of the caliber of, of opponent, but it's not it's not crazy, and especially when you consider in the betting line, which opened at 13 and a half and is now at 17. 17. 17 is a lot. I mean, I do think to me that 75%, that leaves room for like a big Michael Mayer game. It leaves room for the Ohio State defense maybe is not completely fixed right away in week one. I'm not exactly sure what it leaves on offense. You know, I mean, Isaiah Foskey is a pretty good guy on the defensive line. Maybe he causes some problems for them. And and maybe, you know, they do miss Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson more than we expect. But I think mostly to me, it's it's leaving room for this Notre Dame offense, even with the first time starting quarterback coming in and and having a little opportunity. The, one of the other things, and we've had this conversation a lot, Stephen, it does have to factor in. I just don't give Ohio State a huge home field advantage in situations like mm-hmm. that. That I like the fact that it's in Columbus instead of South Bend. I don't know that it affects my view of the game that much at all. On typically, yes, and the fact that they keep losing these types of games at home prove it. I think this one is a little bit different because there's just like a lot of stuff happening that day, whether it's, you know, the celebration of the 2002 national championship, they're going to have a billion teenagers walking around here that they would love to come to this school. Um, a certain Bronny James might be here. That hasn't been confirmed yet from what I've been told, but it's just so much stuff happening that this might be the outlier. And as a former Ohio state player, who's the coach who, again, yeah. as, and I mentioned with tissue may or may not like have them extra ready or, yeah maybe frozen by the moment a little bit. So you, you maybe anticipate it's not just a, another sort of opener for Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So 75%, no huge objections, Arkansas state. I said 99% Toledo. I said 99.5%. Like Nathan, if Ohio state loses one of those two games, like we, we set the podcast on fire in the state, like it's, Oh, that was Ohio stadium had a good hundred year run and that's it because now it's on fire because they lost to Toledo. Yeah. Um, we haven't we do we already do the podcast of like will Ohio State ever lose to a Mac team? Uh, we've ha- I think maybe we did do that. We've had discussions about it, and you know it, it's it's got to be a perfect storm, right? As we yeah. said, of like there's an NFL quarterback in the Mac and he's playing Ohio State this year, and right, this ain't it. So I don't think no. we need to spend a lot of time on that. Wisconsin right. at eighty two percent, an eighty two percent chance of Ohio State winning. Steven, as you guys know, I'm, I'm usually out on Wisconsin. I talked about it a little bit with Tishu. I'm more in on Wisconsin than usual. I think this is also a little bit of a specific thing here. A great running back, a team that runs the ball. And by week four, I'm not sure we'll know a thousand percent about the Ohio State run defense. Yep. Does 82% sound right? Low, high? What do you think, Steven? High. This is uh, when you said where you ranked the toughest games. I think this might be it because Notre Dame's not enough to, for me to believe that this run game defense is fixed and Braylon Allen's really good. And they're going to be two weeks removed from playing real football when Wisconsin yep. comes into here. So I would have maybe put this at like 60. Now I can shoot up if like Notre Dame has 65 rushing yards. Right. But as of right now, I can't go any higher than maybe 60. Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, definitely high. Some of that is probably a lack of respect for Wisconsin's offense in total, like mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. belief that they will be two dimensional enough, but that's what you get to say in like 2019. I don't think it's really what you get to say at, at Ohio state in 2022 yet. Maybe it's what you will be able to say by week four. I don't think I can say it 
going into this season, though. I think a a relatively one-dimensional offense could still – I mean, it, it happened last year. We saw it happen with Oregon last year. Like Nobody was scared of that quarterback. They came in and ran the ball right up Ohio State's butt. So until we see that that leaky valve is sealed, I think there's some uh, – more than 18% skepticism is warranted. So Ohio State is 11-1 and one against Wisconsin going back to 2007. And we have seen Wisconsin compete as much as I've always, I'm usually very dismissive. I mean, other than 2014, when Cardell Jones was making his first start, these other big 10 championship games, I'm usually pretty dismissive when Ohio state plays Wisconsin, especially on a fast track indoors, but they've been competitive in those games. They've led it halftime. They've led in the third quarter of some of those games, but 11 and one Steven in the last 12, it's one of those things where, and again, like I'm, I'm almost now taking a little bit of the reverse side of the Wisconsin argument from you guys when I am very in on Wisconsin this year. But I don't have much trouble envisioning what Wisconsin does staying with Ohio State, but it's not a can they stay with them discussion. It's a in the end, when the chips are down and Wisconsin enters the, you know, is leading by 10 with eight minutes left and CJ Stroud comes on the field knowing they need two touchdowns in the next 10 minutes to win the game, is Wisconsin really going to be able to stop that, right? That, now, I do think the thing that's interesting is if you match up, maybe Wisconsin is going to have a better offensive plan because they have Bobby Engram as our new offensive coordinator and they're opening up a little bit. And also you still question the Ohio State defense. That may be a little bit of a matchup, but there's still, I think there's still some lingering, Stephen, of what Wisconsin does still really in the end has a hard time working against Ohio State. Graham Mertz has gone from, ooh, maybe Wisconsin has a quarterback down to him. I think he might just be a noodle arm. And it takes us back to what it always is with Wisconsin. They always have awesome running backs, but there's going to come a point in that game that's competitive where they have to throw it. And is Graham Mertz going to be what we saw in his debut, or is he going to be noodle arm? And right now it seems like he's going to be noodle arm. So Ohio State might win that game 35 to 17 because on those plays where they Wisconsin had to throw the ball, they just couldn't. And I will say in, in my constant discussion of like oh, Ohio Stadium, I don't know. The fact that this is in Ohio Stadium, I think, is moderately important for the Buckeyes, Nathan, not because of Ohio Stadium, but because it's not in Madison, because that's a home field advantage that I think actually can affect the football. And the one time in the last 15 years when they did lose, it's because Wisconsin returned the opening kickoff in 2010 and it felt like the stadium was going to fall down. Right. And then the Badgers went on to win. If you got Braylon Allen rolling in Camp Randall with an Ohio State defense that maybe wasn't fully confident yet, that I that really could have been a formula, Nathan. I do think it's it's yep. good for Ohio State that in this matchup in week four, it's in Columbus. I mean, Wisconsin taking a lead into the fourth quarter in Camp Randall, and now the whole stadium is literally shaking beneath the Ohio State players' feet from all these cheese munchers that are bouncing up and down to Jumping that around. House of Pain song. And, um, and, and now Wisconsin gets to sort of lean on its defense, which is always pretty solid, and lean on just kind of grinding the clock away with Braylon Allen. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a much different scenario, um, a scenario Ohio State would be glad to avoid. Yeah. I think I think Ohio State is still better than Wisconsin this year. I I I think that that is a game that might be the week. That is a, also maybe a key week as far as finding out just where Ohio State really is this year. Because yeah. that could be a week where they could really separate. It's one thing if it, it's Notre Dame, new coach, 
all that stuff. There's a lot of things going on dynamic there. Week four, it's just a it's supposed to be just another blue collar Big Ten game. Who's better? And if Ohio State really puts it on them that week, that might be the week that people. Well, they already take notice. They're already number two in the country. That's also a Heisman game for mm, insert Buckeye. I'll just do that. Yeah, because there's three guys legitimately. So, like that's like probably the well, first one where you know somebody's going to come out of that, and there's going to be more people writing a Heisman story than just Cleveland.com. And it's also it's also a huge week for Jim Knowles because again, Notre Dame yeah. has some dudes. But what was he brought here to do? Like first and foremost, it's like come up with a scheme where they're not so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. To the way they were last year against Oregon and Michigan on the ground. And that'll be the week that proves how far they came so far. And I'm going to pause here momentarily to invite all the Buckeye Talk listeners right now to pull up a chair and just let, let me explain something real quick, because we know this happens sometimes on Buckeye Talk. We're having a conversation that's making it sound like we, and I don't know how Ohio State's going to beat Wisconsin. <laughs> let's, remember, we're at. <laughs> let's remember the conversation on Monday we're going to make our playoff picks, right? And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of conversation about can Ohio State win the national championship? This podcast is, do we think they're going to go 12-0? and 0? If they don't, who maybe has a 20% chance of beating them? And the reason that we're talking about Wisconsin is because Rutgers has a 0.1 chance of beating them, right? So I don't want people, that was like eight minutes of why we like Wisconsin, the discussion we're trying to have is if they lose, what will it look like? And then in the end, come to some, some number, whatever our ideas are about, do we think they're going to lose or not? And the answer very possibly might be no, we don't think they're going to lose. But what would it look like? We're trying to, the Wisconsin case is an interesting case, right? If it's a close game and Braylon Allen early in the third quarter does what Blake Corum did last year, or in a key moment of the game, he's slicing through the defense the way C.J. Verdell did last year, Ohio State fans are going to know what that looks like and start to think, okay. And there are just a lot of other teams on the schedule who just aren't going to be able to do that. But Braylon Allen, again, I hope I do this. I think he's the best skill guy they play, right? I think Michael Mayer, the tight, Notre Dame tight ends, too. I think Braylon Allen's like the best guy with the ball in his hands that they're going to see in 12 games, and they're going to see him in the fourth game of the season. Okay, just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page with that because we don't want to lose people with, uh, with the I Love Wisconsin talk, even though this season I do. Rutgers, 99.9. Nathan, I again have put down they will never lose to Rutgers ever. Am I disrespecting Rutgers and their – 18-year-old starting quarterback by giving Rutgers only a 0.1% chance? Does that sound right? Nope. Okay. Okay. We shall move on. Michigan. I think it's too low. (laughs) Steven. Steven is at what's higher than 100? Like what is – I loved – I mean, the podcast or whatever, when we were writing a couple years ago, will Ohio State score 100 points on Rutgers? I just – it's – I just – I mean, it's just fun. I don't know. Rutgers is getting a lot of money out of this. You're okay. Good luck yeah. trying to make a bowl. It's fine. It's not personal. It's just football. It's not personal. Michigan State, Stephen, I gave this an 88% chance of an Ohio State win. So, again, that is the fifth toughest game by my estimation, but it's the first road game of the year. I think Peyton Thorne is in the mix. Aiden O'Connell at Purdue, 
Talia Tonga-Vailoa at Maryland. Mm. In the mix for second-best quarterback in the Big Ten behind C.J. Stroud, I think Jaden Reed is in the mix for best non-Ohio State receiver in the league. I think Mel Tucker is a really good football coach. Like, I think there's a lot. There's some good pieces there. They got some transfer running backs. Their defense will be improved. They were Their pass defense was a horrendous last year. They have a couple transfers. They're fixing some stuff. Even, like, whatever the number is, the fact that I only have this as the fifth toughest game, it's the first road trip. Ohio State plays eight home games, four road games this year. Should I give a, a bigger chance of Michigan State winning this game than just 12% or 12% for the Spartans? No, and I'm going to use similar logic that I use for why I think the Wisconsin one should be lower, and it's because I need to see more from Ohio State's run defense. Michigan State has a lot, and that's cool, but if their pass defense is horrendous again, it's not going to matter. CJ's just going to repeat what he did last year. He's just going to be in East Lansing doing it instead of Columbus. So, like, that's – and that's too – that specific stat against this specific team is a problem. It's such a problem that you can maybe be high, even if you think Michigan State is a quality football team. And I do think, I think for me, there's some lingering effect of what happened last year when yeah. Michigan State was a very good football team that didn't belong on the field with Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So this is not, if I'm, if I'm giving Michigan State a lower percent chance against Ohio State, maybe than you would expect. It doesn't, it's not me saying I think Michigan State's going to go five and seven. It's me saying I just don't think they're going to bother Ohio State. Nathan, where do you have where did you have Michigan State in your preseason poll? Fourteenth. Okay. Do what do you think? I mean, like, it, it, would you would you rank this as as maybe tougher than their fifth toughest game of the season? Uh, no, fifth fifth toughest definitely. Okay. Yeah, I, I put I put there's four other teams that I think are better that they're going to play in the regular season, and you know. I, I don't think it's not going to be like last year. I don't think it's going to be technical like last year. I think it's going to still be maybe a comfortable win for Ohio state, but I don't think it's going to be an embarrassing loss for Michigan state. Like last year, that was just flat out embarrassing. That was a team that was supposed to, even if they lost was supposed to be able to compete with Ohio state and they might as well have left at halftime. Actually, they might as well have left before the game even started really the way that first half played out. And I don't think that happens again. I think there's enough talent there at, at Michigan state that they can do something to move the ball and keep Ohio State's offense off the field for a minute in the first half. And there's probably just going to be some pride that kicks in. Okay, so that gets Ohio State to 6-0 and at this point if they win all these games. Again, the percent chance of winning by what I did, 75%, 99, 99.5, 82, 99.9, and 88. That gets us to Ohio State only having a 53% chance of being 6-0, and which, again, if you said is like a coin flip that, they, that they're undefeated at the halfway mark, I think people will be like, what are you talking about? Like, there's a 90% chance they're going to be undefeated at the halfway mark. They weren't last year. You know, so like it's it's one of these where the math, even when you're giving them pretty big edges, the math adds up pretty quickly. By week, then Iowa. I'm out on Iowa, Stephen. I gave them a yeah. 95% chance to beat Iowa. Iowa has come into Columbus and been pretty competitive. I mean, people, Terrell Pryor had some really good games against Iowa. And again, by quirk of scheduling, Ohio State has not beaten Iowa in a football game since 2013 because they've only played once since then. And it was the 2017 loss at Iowa. And another scheduled game was canceled by COVID. So, you know, Iowa has pushed them to the wall, has gone to overtime in Columbus. But man, I just, 
I, I gave the Iowa odds here. These are this is closer to like a Rutgers chance of winning than it is to like a Michigan State or Wisconsin chance of winning. But like I was totally fine with that. I have no problem with that. Honestly, I could see this playing out where maybe Ohio State starts slow because Iowa's got some stuff, especially defensively, to where it's only like seven to three at the end of the first quarter. But then we look up midway through the third quarter and this game is over. Yeah, I think your percentage is fine. You and I, when we did the Big Ten, I can't remember where Steven had him, but now you and I were both out on Iowa really for this year being anything special. Uh, there's not really a lot of reason coming into this year to respect them offensively. And I, how do they keep up scoring-wise with Ohio State? That just doesn't seem possible. The one thing they do have going for them is they get a bye week before they come to Columbus. So they get two weeks to scheme up what they want to do. But uh, I don't know that it matters. Except so does Ohio State, so it's yeah, like that's it true. That's true. Back yeah, out. But that's true. But uh, but yeah. Ohio State's always going to have a a such a Fair. talent advantage in that game that I would think the the oh Iowa could maybe benefit more from the the schematic extra week. Sam Laporter, their tight end, maybe the best tight end in the Big Ten. Like really good. Um, not a lot of dynamism at the skill positions. Otherwise, a lot of people don't believe in Spencer Petras, the quarterback who's been around for a long time. So I just think it's, I just think it's, it's going to be a worse year than people expect in general for Iowa, but I don't like the matchup for the Hawkeyes here. Penn state at Penn state. I gave it an 85% chance of Ohio state winning. Nathan, not going to be at night as far as we know, because like it's with the whiteout stuff and whatever, and we're assuming it may end up as like a noon game on Fox. Again, this is one of those that applies to, it's not about that I think Ohio State is much better at home. It's just, I, I think Beaver Stadium is a tough place to play. So it's at Beaver Stadium, but it's not a whiteout at night. And if it was that, I probably would have slightly increased Penn State's chances to win, Nathan. And the other part of this is, there's the kind of team you're going to be over the course of the, the season. And then there's the matchup with Ohio State. And just when you talk about Penn State, Parker Washington at receiver is a real dude. Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown in the secondary are real dudes. Like P.J. Mustafer on the defensive line is a real dude. Nicholas Singleton is a five-star running back who might be rolling by then. They have some real dudes. Are they a better overall team? Week to week than Wisconsin or Iowa or Michigan State, I don't know, but they have some dudes. And when you play Ohio State, you got to have some dudes. So 85%. And again, it, it feels like this is not Drew Aller's year. I've I had, a, you know, I've talked probably too much about that. It feels like they're just going to play Sean Clifford, sixth year, fourth year as a starter. 85%. Should I give Penn State more respect than that? Less? What do you think? I would probably give them a little more respect. Maybe not a lot, though. I think the difference between night and day is real. That game also comes at an interesting juncture for Penn State. They get an off day on October 8th, and then their next three games are at Michigan, home against Minnesota, and then that home game against Ohio State. And then it ends pretty soft for them, actually. But that three-game stretch is is tougher. And I... Also, I mean, I have Penn State pretty high because I picked them to beat Michigan when we were doing Big Ten prediction stuff. I then felt I had to kind of rank them ahead of Michigan because of the way that the the records were going to pile out. And we talked about that on on, a, on one of the Monday Madnesses. But so I have them ranked higher than I think probably everybody in the country. I have them as a top ten team. I, I that may be a little bit out over my skis at this point. I do think there is that talent there though, and I think it might be the most talented defense that they play. I don't know if it'll be the best defense they play because any defense coordinated by Jim Leonard has an advantage, but I think the, um, 
there's there's there are dudes on defense. I just I agree with you that there may not be enough on offense. It's going to be all about outscoring this team. And I don't know that Penn State can get there with Sean Clifford. I think the not being at night takes some of the juice mm. out of this game. And that matters for Penn State. Because even when it was at Ohio State and it's at night, there's still juice for Penn State in that type of environment. Hence what we saw last season and we've seen in the past. But I like Nicholas Singleton is their Travion Henderson this year. And yep. if he's rolling by that point, he's really good. Ohio State really liked him coming out of high school before you know he ended up choosing Penn State. But if he's rolling by then and there's still any lingering questions about Ohio State's run defense, then it gets interesting. But even within, it's like it's a noon game. So some of the juice is just not there. Do you guys know last 10 games between Ohio State and Penn State, how many Penn State has won? One. It's yeah, it's not as many as you would think. They just been so close. Yeah. Yeah. So the double overtime game, the Joey Bosa game clincher, JT Barrett in overtime slamming it in into that end zone. Urban Meyer, you know, 2014, unbelievable game. Unbelievable game at night in Beaver Stadium. And then 17 and 18 back to back years where Penn State has a lead going into the fourth quarter and can't hang on. Furious rallies, first by JT Barrett in 17, then Dwayne Haskins in 18. And Ohio State wins both games by one point. So in the last 10 games, Ohio State's nine and one, and three of them were a whisker, were as close as they could be, double overtime and one point win. So I, sometimes, though, when I'm talking about your percent chance of winning, winning, posting a W against Ohio State, getting it done, sometimes when I look at that stuff, Nathan, I'll look at it and say, okay, like, great, but are you going to get over the top? Now, I've also said many times I thought Penn State played Ohio State tougher than anybody since James Franklin's got here. I never thought Penn State was afraid, but they also didn't get it done. And they got it done on a weird special teams play. Like they have not like marched down the field for the game winning touchdown. They have not gotten the stop to win the game. So we're not playing what's the percent chance that Penn State covers. We're saying win. They're going to beat them. Not, Not playing is Penn State good. We're saying, again, are you going to really beat Ohio State? And then Nathan, I go to back and say, man, you've done it once in 10 years. and You had a lot of other opportunities that you didn't cash in. Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. That, that's a completely fair way to look at it. The other way, though, is at first when you say, you know, they've only beat them one time in the last 10 tries. But like, isn't Clemson the only team that's beaten Ohio State twice in the last decade? Um, yeah, no, I mean, which, right. like, which nobody all... beats Ohio State right, twice right, in 10 right. tries and then Clemson didn't have 10 tries, but you know what I'm saying? So I, I think, you know, uh, Andy Dwyer once famously on Parks and Rec said close only counts in horse grenades because uh, he was conflating the. Uh, hey, I know that reference. Screwing up yeah, because hey, uh, yeah, I wasn't from that long ago, Woo! but I think it, I think it can count here a little bit. I think the fact that they that Penn State is just. You can either look at it as they're always going to come up short or they were always around. They are always right there. They're always pesky. And then it just then it's a shorter jump to the time that they do beat them. You want to know how I'd feel differently about this game is if Penn State would have chose the right quarterback. I mean, Will Levis might be a first round draft pick oh right now. Uh, yeah. And yeah. like he he was actually the reason why that 2019 game got competitive. And then they stuck with Sean Clifford going forward and then he transferred to Kentucky. It, it's so, remarkable that like Penn State's history is like they haven't had a game changing quarterback and that's the guy they're waiting for. And it turns out they had one as their backup and they didn't know it. And he went to Kentucky and turned into a future first round pick is and, but, and had remarkable. a commitment from Justin Fields. 
Right. But like that. Yeah. But even the, the Levis thing is like they have a Joe Burrow situation, except they don't have a Dwayne Haskins that they chose over the Joe Burrow. Yeah. No, it's 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 it is like an <laughs> you know underrated. I mean? yeah. It is like an under. I mean, I'm sure Penn State fans are very aware of it, but like think about how Will Levis might have changed like the Big Ten in the last couple of years if he had stuck around. So that is a remarkable point worth bringing up for sure. Uh, then at Northwestern and then home against Indiana, I say 98% against Northwestern and 99% against Indiana. Again, Nathan, like Northwestern was pretty darn competitive for at least half the game or two thirds of the game against Ohio state in the big 10 championship games the last two times, which is why I gave Northwestern as high as a 2% chance to win because I factored that in, but I, I don't know that we need a lot of discussion about this. I just, I mean, what, what would it even look like for Ohio state to lose to either Northwestern or Indiana? Yeah, no, I don't, no, no fear really from either of these opponents, maybe give Northwestern a little bit of an edge because of the, the Fitzgerald factor. I mean, that 2020 game, I know we we can't just use the weirdness of COVID an excuse for everything, but there it literally did affect the team. I mean, there were guys missing from that game, including uh, Garrett Wilson. You, uh, or was it Alave? was missing. missing. And Um, Jackson Smith, the Jigba. But but yeah, some other guys missing in that game. Um, You had um, Justin Fields getting banged up early. You had, you know, Master Teague, the, who had been the starting running back and was producing. He gets hurt. So anyway, a lot, a lot of things helped Northwestern be competitive for a half in that game. You just look at the talent on the field, and I, I don't see it. Yeah, Justin got weird there against Indiana and Northwestern. So unless you're going to sit here and tell me that, though, once again, the second-year starting quarterback for Ohio State is going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate all year and then get to that mixture of games and get weird, I think they're fine. Well, but but it is, it is one of these things like when you factor in, when you're trying to figure out what are the percent chances of going 12 and 0, you do have to factor in alien abductions and you do have to factor in weird, yeah. right? That like weird might prevent the thing that should happen from happening. So now, again, they didn't lose to Northwestern, but it was closer than it should have been because stuff got weird. So 2% for Northwestern, 1% for Indiana. I think Indiana is going to be terrible, which brings us to Maryland. Game 11. Have not played the Terps since the 2018 game at Maryland, where, and they've changed the name, by the way. I didn't know this until I was looking it up. It used to be Bird Stadium. Then that bird guy that it was named for is one of those guys that when you go back in the history books, it's like that guy thought some stuff that we don't think is good anymore. And so now it's just Maryland Stadium. So the name of the stadium has changed since Ohio State was last there. It was canceled by COVID in 2020. So the last time they went to Maryland, they almost lost. And Steven, I think this might be the best passing attack in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State with Talia Tonga-Vailoa, Dante Demas Jr., who's back from injury and averaged 100 receiving yards per game in the first five games last year before he got hurt. And then um, Rakim Jarrett, who is a five-star dude who's like a legit dude, and you do that, and all of a sudden, I don't know, it doesn't mean – they're going to beat Ohio State, but it's scarier than than it's scarier than Iowa. So I gave a ninety one percent chance here. That's a nine percent chance for Maryland. And one of my least favorite discussions is trap games. If I was you believe, say that, if you believe in trap games, don't get much it. trappier. It's on the road against a team with some offensive firepower the week before you're seeking revenge against your rival that you lost to last year. 
So there's some things here, Stephen, that if you want to grab onto, you can grab. And you've been rolling because you just massacred Northwestern and Indiana two weeks before that. So you're all types of confident. This is why I said that the 17-18 the scenario, it might be on the table for this team because it comes down to, you know, we've said a lot of good things about this secondary and what it might be. What if it's not? Or what if the pass rush isn't better? And we're still talking about the fact that they don't get home with this defensive line and this thing is still not fixed and this thing is still not fixed. And all of a sudden you're bringing in a passing attack that does actually have some dudes, even if Talia can get a bit erratic and throw some picks. Then all of a sudden it is 2018 all over again, where it's like 42 to 42 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it's like, ah, is Ohio State going to lose this game? So uh, that's why I went with the 17-18 route, because it seems very similar. So is 91%, Nathan, a, a, a correct number here? It's like, how do you try to evaluate? What really would happen is like, oh, it feels like they have a 97% chance to win. And then there's this upset that nobody saw coming, right? But I, So I don't know. I landed at 91. I just respect their skill talent. And to me, you have to have skill talent. Like, who's going to score? How are you going to score against Ohio State? And if you have an answer to that question, then we can have a conversation about how you're going to win. Because you're just not going to beat this team 21 to 17, you know? So what do you think of this percentage here, Nathan? I think it's a, I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, and again, I, I, I just find the schedule dynamics sometimes can be interesting. And Maryland there plays at Wisconsin, at Penn State, and then home against Ohio State. And now there's two ways to look at that. Like, are they going to be like all beat up by the time the Ohio State game comes around? Because they just played you know, um, what might be the two other best teams in the conference or two of the other best teams in the conference and had to go on the road. And that's, you know, rugged situations. Or is it one of those situations where a team that's pretty good can't quite get over the hump in those road games. And then they got nothing left to lose playing Ohio state that third game. And you're going to get, you know, I know Ohio state uses that cliche. Every, they get everybody's best shot, but that's not always true. They don't always get everybody's best shot, but that would be a scenario where maybe that happens where a team that just, again, kind of nothing left to lose and everything to gain. And, um, you know, playing with a chip on its shoulder is, is who you face that day. Uh, this, it'll be another game that, that tests this defense, but assuming no alien abductions, I still like Ohio state's secondary over what Maryland's going to put on the field there. I think I think you could make an argument that those two receivers are like two of the five best receivers in the Big Ten. I'll, I'll be curious to see how it shakes out. I just really like Demas. I think he's like almost like a classic number one receiver in the NFL who just had this injury that ended his season last year and like he didn't get to Ohio State, right? Like we, Ohio State didn't see it. I think it hurt the week before they played Ohio State last year. Mm-hmm. So he's like a like a real dude, and by all like. You know, he's back, he's at practice, he's getting ready. And especially, you know, by this point in the year, if they even after they have to ease him in early, you know, this is the 11th game of the year, you figure they'll be okay. So they're interesting. I think you have to respect their skill, which brings us to Michigan. 76% chance to beat Michigan. Again, I gave Notre Dame a 75% chance. So I, this is 1% uh, more likely for Ohio State to win, Nathan. I don't, one in four. Right. I mean, you look back at, you know, Ohio State's won 17 of the, of the last 20. So, you know, what what are we supposed to do with 17 of the last 20? You know, it is what it is. I think one in four felt fair to me because it feels real without 
saying, I think it's a coin flip. So like what, what number would you have arrived at for this? You know, that that's probably about where I would have landed. I've been a little bit more skeptical of Michigan building off of last year in a real way. I mean, I still had them. I predicted 10 and two. So not like I have them falling off a cliff, uh, but they just, I, my assumption is that they return more to like the Michigan that we're used to, which is they somehow find a way to lose that extra game along the way that prevents them from being as good as they're supposed to be or having the opportunities that they're supposed to have going into the game. I think I agree on the dot with the 76%, but if you're if you're ninety one percent with Maryland, I think that nine percent chance of them winning is pretty strong, just based off the scenario. I'm a little soft with the twenty four percent with Michigan, okay. just because so much had to go right for that to even happen last year, and you can't bank on all those things clicking at the exact same time again. Um, so I do think, again, it's how you look at this. As much as Ohio State has dominated twenty thirteen comes down to Tyvis Powell picking off a two-point conversion pass in the end zone to save that game in 2013 when Ohio State was hadn't lost a game in the regular season under Urban Meyer yet, and 2016 is double overtime. And if the spot goes a different way, Ohio State loses that game. So there have been times very fresh in people's minds before last year when Michigan got blown off the field by Ohio State. But there were also times you know, in the last decade where Ohio State was beating them every year, but it was pretty darn close. I think Michigan has real talent. I think they have real talent on both sides. Um, they obviously lost everybody, you know, the, the big stars on the defensive side of the ball. We have to see how the coordinators matter, but I don't have Michigan, Nathan, getting to 11-0. I don't think this is going to be an 11-0 versus 11-0 game, but I do think that Michigan could be 8-3, and three and very competitive in Columbus or nine and two and very competitive in Columbus because Cade McNamara doesn't get rattled and brings his best game. And Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in the backfield are a problem and they get enough pressure off the edge and their corners are pretty good. They might be playing the five-star kid from Detroit that Ohio state was in on Will Johnson was in on recruiting a little bit and they can maybe Mm -hmm. match up with the, he and DJ Turner can match up with the Ohio state receivers better than most teams can. So I, you know, am I betting on Michigan, Nathan, to repeat last season? No. Do I think it's possible that Michigan comes to Ohio Stadium and competes with Ohio State when Ohio State is potentially looking like the best team in the country? That I do think is possible, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, I even, like I said, I had them 10 and 2, so that would mean they would be 10 and 1 going into that game. So, again, not a, a abomination of a season by any stretch. I, there's some pressure on Michigan, too, a little bit here to show that last year wasn't an outlier, wasn't a fluke, that they can do this even when they don't have just this like one generational pass rush kind of guy, that they can come back the next year, rebuild it a little bit on the fly, not rebuild it, but adjust on the fly and, and find a new way to be competitive with Ohio State. Because after so many years of not really even being competitive and certainly not beating them, that you, they've got to find a way to get back in the rivalry on an annual basis, even when they're not winning it. Those the first those 2018, 2019, they're not even in those games. They got that that had to stop as much as finding a way to beat them did. Which brings us to a final percent chance. I think by my math, I hope it's right. 27.9% chance, 28% chance of Ohio State going undefeated by all my percentages. Tissue was at 32%. Um, you know, you look at some other things. Uh, there was an ESPN one that was, I think, somewhere in the 30s 
right? It feels like it's, I th- go ahead, Nathan. I was to say, but both of those numbers, Tishu and that ESPN, um, you know, the ESPN was using computers and Tishu kind of is a computer when it comes to like calculating betting stuff. Like there's no emotion in it. There's like no taking into account. I don't think the fact that Penn state's a day game and not a night game or mm-hmm. the, uh, or any other like lingering human things other than the skill of the football players. And I suppose the skill of the coaches, no, no emotion, no mental stuff. It's, it's just pure numbers. So that's why I would expect those numbers to be a little higher than yours. It's the ESPN, uh, whatever it is, PFI or FPI rating. And I do think they include the conference championship game, which again is a little hard to do. I think when you don't know who it's going to be, but I think that's what they do. They had Ohio State at 32.5%, which is like to be 13 and 0. So 12 and 0 would be even higher than that. That was the highest in the country. They have Georgia at 21.4, Bama at 15.9, and Clemson at 13.8. And like nobody else is above like 2%. So in the end, Stephen, my number 28% chance of going undefeated. If you look back at the last 70 years, they've gone undefeated 19% of the time, right? Does 28% feel high, feel low? If, if I set the over-under, like it, I guess you can't set an over-under on a percent of something might be happening. Would you make your own number higher? They have a better chance, you know, like 30s, or would you make it lower than 28%? No, I'd be in your ballpark. I think it's pretty spot on. What do you think, Nathan? Where would you be on this? I would be higher because I'll just be, I think I would probably look at it more from a tissue standpoint, from a, a, a pure number standpoint and probably take out some of the emotion, but I, I, I don't think your number's bad by any means. Do we think like, generally speaking, like one in three isn't a bad range, whether that means 28 or 33 or 35 or 37, mm-hmm. I think I'm out of one in three chance of going undefeated. I think maybe I think, we're all in agreement on. Well, yeah. And especially when you give the national, when you give the perspective of what, what it would be at some of these other schools. It's not like, it's not like Alabama has a 95% chance of going yeah. undefeated and Ohio state has 35 by the same methodology. Ohio state's actually still ahead. It, it's, it, it's just the way that you calculate those things. So I, I think that's a perfectly reasonable one. It's also a pretty quality number given, I mean, we just said they might have the toughest schedule. So yeah. to be that high is pretty quality. The, I, I, one point was like trying to, and maybe I'll do this at some point. It's almost like what seasons did they really have a chance of going undefeated? Cause sometimes you come and do a year and it's like in 2004, nobody thought Ohio state was going to go undefeated and then they didn't. Right. But what, when you really thought they had the talent and the schedule to do it, how often did they do it? Like if you would have bet before the 2015 season, do you think that the defending national champions who have everybody back, do you think they're going to go undefeated? I think like a lot of people would have said yes, you know, and then, then they didn't like how often have they been in 2006, they're undefeated. Number one. I mean, they're number one with Troy Smith back. And a lot of those important guys back Would you, you know, Teddy Ginn juniors back. What do you think? Do you think they have a good chance of going undefeated? Oh, yeah. I think they have a pretty decent chance of going undefeated. And they did. Right. They weren't even I mean, they played Texas and Michigan, who were both the number two teams in the country when they played number one, Ohio State. They they won two one versus two games that year to go 12 and 0. So in the end, I just think, Nathan, it's it, I was talking to you about this, just the idea of sometimes in your head, if you just said to an average Ohio State fan, hey, what do you think the chances are they go 12 and 0? Somebody might say, I don't know what, 60 percent, 70 percent, because your team's really good. It's just difficult. Th- th- that's all. And, and they play some decent teams. 
So I think in the end, that's all this math shows us. It doesn't show us that yeah. anybody's doubting Ohio State. It just shows that, that there is maybe a decent chance that their national championship season is 14 and one instead of 15 and out. Yeah, but also, like, what was the lowest percentage you gave any game? 75% chance so of winning. Again, so it's, all, it's almost another way of you saying, oh, I think they've got like a 75% chance of going undefeated because you're giving that much yeah. to each game at least. So it's it, some of that is just the, the perspective that you look at it from. It's, it's yeah, a, that's one, true. Is, one is a shorthand and one is a much more like rigid mathematical thing. It's also not that crazy to be a one-loss champion. There's only been yeah. three national championships where in the playoff era where the team was undefeated. So right, yeah, and again, it, and then it, you just there's some wrinkle of accounting for an alien abduction of mm-hmm. a pass hitting off a, a perfectly thrown pass hitting off a guy's face mask and turning into a pick six, you know, of a guy somebody falling down. Right, the things where Ohio State will be better than their opponent in all 12 games that I feel fairly confident about. And I don't think you would say that about last year. I don't think they were better than Michigan snow on the road. Maybe guys had the flu. I don't know, but there are parts of that. Would you say, I don't know. I just think Michigan might've been better. And I thought in 2016, as it turned out, Penn state was better than Ohio state. Like there, there are years where they're not the best team in every game they play. I would be so very surprised if they're not the best team in every game they play, but it doesn't mean they're going to win every game. Now we outlined a little bit like a Wisconsin scenario where Jim Leonard dials it up where Jim Leonard is some version of like Bud Foster, Mike McDonald as a coordinator, Joe Moorhead as a coordinator. And then Braylon Allen is like the kind of NFL talent where you look back and say, my gosh, that no wonder. Right. So maybe that would be a version of that, but still Ohio state has more good players than Wisconsin does. We're not having that discussion. So in the end, it would be more about something gets a little goofy and then can you overcome that and still go on and win? And that's what we'll talk about on Monday. Mark it down Monday. Nathan, how are you describing exactly what the, uh, the topic is for Mark it down Monday? It's our four playoff teams and who wins a national championship. So is Ohio State one of those four teams? And then what happens after that? So get ready for that. It's here. It's right around the corner. We appreciate you guys being with us for Stephen Means, for Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. 